0: Let's talk about anim- animatronic law enforcement.
1: Animatronic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the, the is that a word? Yeah, but animatronic. Back in it a word. But it, I don't think it's it's appropriate to apply it to the RoboCop character. I was... Well, he's, the... a, he's
0: a, no, he's an animatron. It's it means like anapromorphic.
2: No, robot, no, right? no, no, that's not what the, it the 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 fucking. Chuck E. Cheese Mouse is animatronic. Oh, oh, um so. the-
1: I believe.
3: <laughs> I would like animatronic law enforcement.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the anima in animatronics refers to um animation like animation rather than um It's like an anim- animated animals. figure. It's Correct. like an animated an statue. Animate. Sure, okay. That's my sense.
3: I want to imagine that it's the anima of the uh, machine and it is the spirit that makes Chuck E. Cheese play the guitar.
2: Hey everyone, Uh, it's State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. It's me, Benjamin, and once again we are joined by Ricky and Alex and Matthias. T- the Yo t- Semite t- crew. The Yo Semite <laughs> Crew. <laughs> the Yo
3: Semite Crew.
2: Well today is uh, Thursday, August 6th, and thanks for joining us this week. Before we get into the main topic of this episode, I wanted to start by extending a congr- congratulations to Detroit's Rashida Talib for as the as the Huffington Post reported it, surviving her uh, her primary election, uh, yeah, surviving by beating her opponent like two to one by like thirty points, yeah, sixty nine
1: percent, sixty nine <laughs> nice. percent. Let's no,
2: go. No, no, it's like sixty three, wasn't it? I thought it was like sixty three percent.
1: I think they called Close it only at sixty nine. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that's great. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, yeah, Brenda was Brenda Jones was her name. Yes, the uh, Detroit City Councilor uh, who tried to unseat. Uh, Rashida Tlaib ended up losing by over thirty points, and now members of the Democratic establishment and centrist liberals on Twitter are big mad, and you love to see it.
0: Yeah did did Kamala Harris uh, endorse Brenda Jones, or was that um, or was that
3: uh, uh, Clay Davis? I think oh, I heard no, that. She, I think she, I heard she that she did. endorsed both. She, she did endorse uh, Brenda Jones.
0: Yeah, so the K Hive is definite. The, the K is definitely big, mad that uh, you know both like endorse candidates of Kamala Harris lost uh-huh. to progressives, progressive mm. women of color, mind you.
2: Well, speaking of Rashida Tlaib's uh, constituency, uh, last night we watched Paul Verhoeven's 1987 film *RoboCop*, and. It was pretty kick ass. I really liked this movie. I had only seen it one time before, but I was pretty shit faced. So watching it this time around, I actually found it a lot more enjoyable.
3: What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think this movie kicks ass.
3: It is a very good movie. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, th- so, I guess I'm like, I'm a little glad, right? I, I don't think I've ever seen any of like the Paul Verhoeven movies like until I was like an adult. You know, so I like watched Starship Troopers like for the first time, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, maybe like two months ago even. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just that movie was just so prescient and like just just like a masterpiece well before its time. Um, So I was just immediately like drawn to like other movies uh, by Verhoeven. And, you know, RoboCop is the obvious, you know, next choice, right? With what's going on with the unrest with uh, in terms of police violence and police brutality and defunding the police, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Ben, what was it that made you want to do have us watch this movie right now? I um, mean, other than that. I know that, uh, so Detroit DSA did a showing of this, like, last month, I think. Uh, I don't think any of us were able to attend, but they did a discussion about it as well. So I think it's, like, definitely on people's minds.
2: Well, I mean, the reason that I wanted us to watch it and talk about it for the show was, you know, the reasons that Alex brought up and <laughs> it's set Detroit, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, here yeah. In our, here in our home state.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We it's been I, a while since we've uh since we've done anything uh, Michigan specific I think so
1: I think um like I I find it a little bit unfortunate that we couldn't have like Joe on the show tonight. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm the closest representative to Metro Detroit here because um, I, I grew up in the, in the, I'm from, I was born in Pontiac, so I grew, I grew up in those suburbs uh, and I grew up watching this movie a lot. I think my parents liked sci-fi and I guess it was maybe semi-relevant or something. So I just remember watching it a lot when I was really little and being very into the franchise, but I hadn't seen it since then.
2: Well, uh, I suppose, uh, we're just going to go through sort of like the events of the movie and use that as a guide, uh, for the broader discussion. But, um, so this movie is, it takes place in, I guess, the not too distant future, like somewhere Mm -hmm. in the near future in Detroit, Michigan, uh, where violent crime is on the rise, the city is in financial ruin. And so the, so essentially the city privatizes the Detroit Police Department by selling it to this giant corporation called Omni Consumer Products or, uh, or OCP. And, uh, OCP wants to basically, uh, build, like, redevelop Detroit as this big utopia they call Delta City. Uh, or, however,
0: Or how sorry. you might understand it, District Detroit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before they can begin construction on uh, Delta City, they need to end crime uh, in Detroit, uh, but they can't rely on the... Uh, existing police department uh, because they are uh, thinking about going on strike and uh, they're it seems like they're just kind of outnumbered, right?
3: They're yeah. getting owned. They suck at their jobs.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, that's one of the big one of the big things in this movie is that the cops, uh, a lot of cops, are getting killed because of all the rampant crime.
1: Right. So I think this is like the first big point. So we have the, this police. Project, this private company brought in to do a police project um and this is really being pushed by the all of the private industry behind this development project right because they need in order for their development project to work they need to get rid of crime but it's also it's not just that the cops aren't doing good enough job right it's that they are they also want to make enterprise out of policing mm-hmm. um so this question of like we talked about this a lot right there's kind of a conflicting representation of what the cops are actually like mad about right in this movie um although the main thing they're mad about is they keep getting fucking killed um, <laughs> yeah. so there's a this, there's this suggestion like is the police force underfunded or are they just funneling all this money into the private part of things um is you know, is this about automation? We can get to that as well. Um, or, you know, is this like a worker safety issue? Like, what's going on? Did they need to hire more cops?
3: This um, is about OSHA.
1: Yeah, it kind of is, right? So it seems like it seems like they're what these cops are supposed to be mad about is how dangerous their job is. Not necessarily that their job is getting taken away. Not necessarily the politics that would uh, motivate real life cops. Literally, they're just like mad that it's so dangerous to be a cop all of a sudden.
0: Right, and I think that the connection that is supposed to be made here is that the privatization like makes it less safe because of like I guess the austerity right that goes with privatization so it's like I guess there's like this you know surface critique right of oh well um privatization makes it so that you know the cops are you know not funded enough to where it's not safe but i guess like the thing that we're really missing from this movie or what we don't get and actually i damn it i really should have i I should have rewatched those uh ads and those commercials right because what we're really missing i feel like is that you know like what are the conditions that is like uh, manifesting this crime or whatever this like violent crime right and you know I I, I feel like maybe you know the, the movie could have done a better job maybe with like uh, bringing that out I guess, like, but you right. know, it, well,
1: because the the movie argues that crime is increasing when it wasn't. It doesn't, right. and it also argues that with less, you know, this is this is the key takeaway to this movie is that, or the key issue with this movie is that, like, it depicts when there are not cops, crime going up, right? When in mm-hmm. fact, in reality, crime goes down when cops go on strike. Um, poverty doesn't cause increases of crime, right? There's no, there's actually not any like. There's no measurable connection between so-called structural conditions and crime, right? Um, and that's the that's the that's the big issue with this film, um, or that's like what sits at the center of this. We there's a many ways to dissect the way that it critiques cops and corporations, but it concedes the most dangerous thing, which is that Detroit is a place that produces crime and only crime, right? It, and it was used to push that myth after after mm-hmm. it came out. You know, I think that's the most. And and people, people, accept, I don't. It's just weird to me. And people accept that, right? Like this idea that Detroit was like this wild west of crime in like 1990 or whatever. Yeah, that's bad.
3: Well, you know, it, I it, mean, would you say the same thing about Escape from LA?
1: I don't know because it's been a minute since I've seen that, but probably. I'm guessing I would say exactly that same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just like even
0: I don't know. I just feel like. Y- Especially in terms of, like, violent crime to where it's, like, very, like, emotionally charged, right? In terms of, like, victims or, like, survivors of violent crime, right? Like, you want to, like, have a sense of justice to, like, those people. You don't want to be like, oh, well, you know, that stuff that happened to you doesn't matter. But, like...
1: This is fiction, though. These people are not real.
0: (laughs) this This is fiction. These people are not real. But, like, I feel like it's...
1: No, I want to illustrate that point though. This this is what I'm talking about, myth making, right? So one of the scenes of the uh, one of the crimes that this RoboCop, which we'll get to the development of the RoboCop, but one of the crimes that RoboCop stops is someone robbing a white party store in right. Detroit, Michigan, a white owned party store, right? Not um, not happening. Right, right, like so who. Who was even supposed to be the victims of crime in nineteen eighties or nineteen nineties Detroit, right? Because like the victims of crime in Detroit are also black people, right? Like that's right. which well, we can talk about that, but this film does not imagine a black Detroit, which even by the nineties this was one of the largest yeah, black no, cities. Yeah, like in that is something that hemisphere. I definitely
0: want to. That is definitely something that I want to talk about, right? Like the lack of like black people in this movie, which is supposed to be like a very predominantly like black city, right? So right. Well, lay laid out,
1: right? That's just the fact of it when you're watching this movie there's a couple of black characters the people on the streets are not black for the most part the people who are victims of crime even the criminals for the most part nobody in this movie to speak of is black and it's a movie supposedly about again one of the largest black cities and certainly in the US
0: right right I mean but you know to go back to what I was saying before right like you don't even need to like argue whether or not like violent crime has like dropped or fallen Mm-hmm. Like it's just much more important to just focus on like what are the material conditions that produce crime, and like are what, no are p- de- po- and what are the political and what are the political decisions that's the you point said, that's
1: the point that's a lie, right The idea is that policing wants you to believe that there is a social condition that produces crime, but there is no such thing um, I mean i think
0: i think I think that there's definitely a correlation with like poverty and like crime you you de- you definitely see that. Sh-
1: Sure, but that, how can you measure that when there's also a correlation between policing and poverty, right? The only thing that we know for sure, sure is that sure. you find okay. crimes where there are police. Sure, yeah, but... And every I statistic mean, we have counteracts this anyway. It's just different types of crime, right? Every statistic we have disproves this correlation, right? It's just that we find different kinds of crimes in different kinds of communities.
0: Have you, you ever of, have you ever heard the theory that like the explanation of the drop in violent crime has to do with... like us, like, unletting
3: gasoline.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I... I love is, that.
3: Um... It's it's there's no way to know how real that and we could
0: did be. that in the sixties, right? In or did we, we do that in the seventies? So yeah. yeah, we did that in the
1: seventies. And well, that you, doesn't count lead paint it, though. Let, the lead, lead paint be, discussion is also in here, and the lead the lead paint uh, lawsuits don't come around until like really the nineties. So, um so yeah, yeah,
0: like Le- that, me that means it. we're still dealing with like the lead like violence in the eighties when this movie came out. Is what I'm trying to say, though. I too. mean, so th-
1: that's not and right, those are that's, material that's conditions,
0: and those are material conditions.
1: That is not a widely accepted...
0: It's right, not that, widely accepted, but like there, there are people who say that.
1: Let, let me explain it. So the, there's this argument that that um, and I think I believe that there's some truth to this. And again, material com- conditions doesn't mean like f- like physical topography or whatever, right? That's not really what that means. But no. um, the, so cities have been exposed historically to more lead, and people who live in urban, particularly segregated urban environments, tend to be lead poisoned historically. For the first wave of this comes with um, exposure to f, f, like ethyl gasoline, right. right? So leaded gasoline, and the idea there is that people who don't live in cities would drive into and through cities with leaded gas, and that gas create, you know, the lead in that gas created a health crisis. This is true. We accept this to be true. The second issue, um, I mean, lead in water, lead pipes is an issue, but lead paint in particularly public housing is the bigger issue here. Now yeah. the connection between that and violence is that there are a lot of brain damage and behavioral consequences of having lead poisoning. Uh, this comes up in a lot of different cases. Um, so Freddie Gray in Baltimore, um, if you recall that case, he was thought yeah. to have been lead poisoned. Um, but this is dangerous right because there isn't we still there it is true that poor people who are policed and therefore are found to have committed crimes more the rates of lead poisoning are very high and it is true that we could probably link these behaviors to them but there is no trustworthy way to actually argue that People in cities are violent, right? Like there's no rape okay. Rape,
0: rape I, I, I guess I guess like what, I guess my whole point is, or my point of view is just like that when people are desperate, like they're gonna like either steal or do violence. Like, sure, that's, but rich like, people
1: also steal and do violence at the same rates as poor people.
0: I'm not. I mean, they do. They do. They
1: literally do. None of this is like a controversial thing, right? I and but it's really important, right? Because. I think that, like, as people, we should give people, we should be chill about other people doing crimes, because <laughs> it's, first of all, cool and fine to do crimes, um, you know, but this is... I mean,
0: I think it's fine to, like, steal from, like, corporations, for sure, I yeah. I think it's
1: fine to steal in, like, almost all and situations. I think, and, and I
0: think it's, like, <laughs> and I think, it like, in some cases, I think it is cool to, like, kill an imperialist or something like that. Sure,
1: it's it's cool for us to talk about this or it's cool for us to be like, yeah, like, why would I be mad if, you know, like, so one thing we say a lot, if our car gets robbed or something, we're like, eh, that guy probably needed it more than I do. You know, you, have you ever said something like that? I feel like I say that right. shit a lot. Like, um, but at the same time, again, there is actually, this is what we would call a cult- cultural explanation of poverty or whatever. Right. Um, and this is literally just some, 80s Reagan shit, right? Yeah, maybe. Um, I
0: mean, I, 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 don't know. I don't I feel think like... that
3: it's an explanation of poverty. I or, think it's an explanation of crime.
1: Right, but it's it's the what I meant is that it's um, it's making a cultural explanation for. If that makes sense, so they're saying that there is such thing as culture of poverty or whatever. I don't want to talk about culture of poverty. I feel like it's really widely accepted and everybody understands that. Well, nothing,
0: nothing is hegemonic. Nothing, nothing is hegemonic. And sure, right? Mm -hmm. There, there, there might be like you know, like uh, I'm just not sure you really
1: understand what was going on in Detroit in the '80s. If you can watch this movie and accept, like, yes, that was realistic and true that there were like there were like
3: okay, hold on, there were like. I really don't think that we're talking about this in any productive way. I mean, first of all, we're really not talking about it. But the thing is that this is a movie about cop movies. Right. And I think you know. that that is how it needs to be understood. The fact that, um, you know, like it is not explicating crime. It mm-hmm. is replicating the way that that culture was yes. depicting crime.
1: Right. right, and I I agree. I agree with you, but that's why it's important to point it out. But people, it seems like people are watching this movie and being like, yeah, that's just a representation of crime, right? Which is, like, very strange to me because it was, like, from some West Side Story shit, right? Like, that's... Well, for people who haven't yeah, seen it, that's, no, like, how crime is represented. No, the
0: representation, the representation of crime in that movie was, like, very sanitized and, like... No,
1: it's not sanitized. It's just, like... Uh, it's, like campy, right? It's campy, is what it is. It's like, um, like a, like an, a nostalgic dream. I guess dream not, I guess, not, I guess not,
0: like, I guess not, like, sanitized. What I mean is, like, easily digestible, and, like, what to, to what Matthias was saying, like, it fits with the cultural narrative, or it fits with, like, you, you, it has, like, a cultural touchstone to it, in its essence, that, like, people can relate to, right? So, I feel like...
1: It's a trope. Yeah, it's, the word this, that you're looking yeah, for is it's trope. a trope.
3: This movie is drawing on, like, every negative trope that fascist societies like ours put out.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, speaking of narratives, let's get back to the story real quick. So the Omni Consumer Products Company, they're trying to wipe out crime in Detroit. And so they're looking for a very technological solution to do that, obviously. And so the senior vice president, Dick Jones, great name, uh, decides. Uh, so he, he presents his uh, new law enforcement droid, the Ed 209, which in, in this board meeting, which was uh, so this scene is like the first like introduction to this like really um over the top and hilarious violence where his uh his robot malfunctions this giant clunky robot malfunctions and uh fucking kills uh kills this other board member and so the the ceo of the company is obviously very very pissed off uh and so this other uh junior executive uh goes and pitches his his idea which is the Robo RoboCop project um and so this is so after this is where the main character Alex Murphy uh he's partnered with uh with this other cop named Ann Lewis and they are pursuing a gang of like drug dealers, robbers, whatever. They had just robbed a bank. Uh, and this gang is led by uh, Red Foreman, uh, the guy who <laughs> plays Red Foreman in that 70s show. And I think that's how we're going to refer to him throughout the rest of this. Red um,
3: Foreman, a known cop killer in this movie.
2: That's right. That's right. So they're chas- they're chasing after they're chasing after Red Foreman and they uh follow them to the follow this gang to this I think what is it like an abandoned steel mill or something like that it, where uh they end up killing uh Alex Murphy. And so the they
3: brutally murder him. They
2: brutally they brutally execute him. It's uh pretty spectacular actually.
0: Yeah, and I guess like right now is a good time to just like really mention how like, you know, going back to you know, tying it in with the um executive that got like shot up by the uh by non humanoid robocop or whatever, like the non humanoid like military grade robot or the whatever. Ed two oh nine, yeah. The Ed two oh nine. Like When, when these people, when people are shot in this movie, it's incredibly grotesque. It's incredibly gruesome. It's really fucking funny. And also just like, it's just, it's just incredibly hilarious when you watch it. It's very
3: campy. It's Mm -hmm. very campy. But I mean, you know, it. I think that the thing about these movies is that, um, you know, you have, like, a, some cheap way of establishing, oh, man, look at this horrible violence that these people do. Okay, so now literally everything that we do to them is now justified. Right. You right. Know, like a revenge movie. Yeah. In a way. Which, <laughs> I mean, is what, which is the formula that cop movies follow is revenge movies. We got to get revenge on these people. <laughs> yeah, on the poor.
1: <laughs> I don't. So I don't watch a lot of action movies. And so we had this discussion about the violence in here and why it's different from other action movies. Like, the only action movie that's, like, an analog, the only one that I could think of would be, like, uh, Die Hard or whatever, right? Um, And this film is very obviously um, aesthetically different from Die Hard. But the the gore and the violence in the film looks a lot like a certain type of horror movie from the 80s. Like, um kind of the resurgent B movies or like body horror films there's a yes. lot of gore in here that looks like Reanimator, there's there's a lot of gore in here that looks like Toxic yes. Avenger or a trauma movie yes. um, and it looks really good, I'm not trying to say it looks cheap it actually looks, as a horror fan, it looks excellent um, and it's way more satisfying to me um, as a gore fan, but it seems like it's drawing from that rather than something maybe more slick or even like realistic like, I don't know, is that, is that fair to say about like, Die Hard is that it's realistic? Oh yeah.
3: I I think um, your use of the word campy earlier, I mm-hmm. think, is very significant because that is like, I think, the word that best describes this movie on the whole. And the violence is very, um, you know, aestheticized and over the top. And, you know, I think that it's interesting that you mentioned that it is very much like the gore of those horror movies, um, because, you know, yesterday we did mention that it is kind of like... You are watching a cop movie as a horror movie almost. No.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, and and speaking of this genre bending, that's been like you know with like the campy kind of horror style of the gore in this movie, which also is a parallel to Starship Troopers, right? Another parallel to Starship Troopers is this kind of like the action in this movie is like not well choreographed. It doesn't look cool right? Like, you know, RoboCop's, like, movements are, like, very, like, mechanical, and he doesn't look cool when he's shooting the bad guys, and, like, and the robot literally looks like fucking Ben's microphones, like our podcast <laughs> of equipment, like the, like the the other robot looks like fucking podcast equipment, like, it really is just, like, hilariously like the aesthetics are not that of an action movie
1: so I don't know why I'm such a dumbass but you saying that reminded me of like what the opposite of this would be would be like Terminator right so it's right. like it's very similar in terms of what we're what what is being represented is, yeah. or what is being well the not plot the plot, is not plot. The same. yeah not the plot it's but yeah representing similar things with very different kind of styling um and budget certainly they are budgetarily different but mm. um
2: yeah, funny enough, I think cool uh robot. I think RoboCop was actually one of the inspirations for Terminator.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but Yeah, and, I can see that. But anyway, they so these uh these gang members led by Red Foreman uh execute uh, execute Alex Murphy. And so Bob Morton, who's like the, the junior executive who's heading like this ro- this RoboCop project, uh, his team, uh, takes, uh, officer Murphy and, uh, does surgery on him like a grape and they, uh, turn him into RoboCop and they kind of like, they like wipe all of his memories so that he doesn't really know who he is <coughs> before he's RoboCop, uh, but he kind of uh, memories kind of fade in and out for him, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Are we, are, PTSD. We're,
0: we're remiss. We're remiss to not like mention that literally like every cop that dies in the line of duty, apparently in this universe, like goes straight to like the private company to be like experimented on for <laughs> RoboCop yeah,
3: yeah,
0: that is, <laughs> trials.
3: It's just kind of a point that is allowed to just like, slide right by there. Right, Beautiful. well,
2: what well, after they complete after they they finish operating on him, they like this the executive guy walks in he's like why does he still have like his human arm and they're like take that shit off, replace it with the robot one. Like, he, mm-hmm. this is what he signed up for when he signed up to be a cop. Like, it, the, you know, implying it's like in his contract that uh, they are allowed to just do this shit to him. Yeah. Well,
1: the, the scene that you're describing is really interesting because there's kind of a long scene in what felt like the center of the movie mm-hmm. um, where you're watching from Murphy... That's his name, right? Murphy's perspective yeah. or um, future Robo- RoboCop, right? You're seeing it, and it, it's like from his... Uh, point of view, which is at that point becoming a screen, right? So from a screen you're watching him being worked, yourself being worked on and becoming the RoboCop. This is a very long sequence um, and it kind of divides the movie narratively. You know, and after these scenes you get the RoboCop um, and then he gets, he becomes kind of a character, right? We are looking
3: through a looking glass.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Wow, you know, I didn't consider that you are looking through a screen at them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. That is very inter. That's extremely interesting. I per- mm-hmm. I really
1: liked that scene. I thought that it was very creative. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, very cool.
2: Well, it was shortly, it was like right after that scene that the, uh, the OCP, P, OCP people, uh, bring him to the police station and basically like start setting him up. And that's where, uh, that's where you see like the Robocop's prime directives on the screen, you know, um, serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law, and then a mysterious fourth directive that is classified. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I will say that like the first directive was very weird to me because it's like very i I guess like with the first like or the second two right like or not the second two the the number two and number three mm-hmm. like those I kind of, those kind of seemed like pretty definite like protect the innocent mm-hmm. like you know people who aren't like breaking the law or whatever like protect them like that seems pretty cut and dry uphold the law that seems pretty cut and dry right but like uh uh serving the public trust like what the fuck does that mean
1: what's a great a great big question what does it
2: yeah. mean
0: so like that all that was like very weird to me mm-hmm. it was like this it was it it almost kind of reminded me right of like um corporations kind of like uh, putting in like fake guardrails like, oh, you know, we're being like, you know, uh, we're doing this anti-racism training. So, like, we're not, you know, being racist while we, you know, participate in slave labor in fucking, uh, you know, for our fucking chocolate uh, manufacturing. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it, it, it's all fucked up.
1: Public trust is just that idea of what police are there for, which is when you say protect the public trust, what you mean is protect the idea that you're protecting something. That's what it means to police, right? Protect the idea of of safety. Um,
0: Yeah, but I mean like that, that whole like thing of that, of like RoboCop having that directive, like, oh, like this is like a, and also this is like neoliberalism, right? Like this is a like technocratic, like fix, right to like solve a problem that we have in society Mm -hmm. and it's just like that's kind of like what it represented to me like that first directive Mm -hmm. right like it it just it just had that kind of feeling to me of that like you know fake wokeness or like that like fake um uh what responsibility or uh accountability to us as the people or as like to the public or the polity like that's that's kind of like what i get from it
2: i think uh I think these uh directives were also a reference to isaac asimov's uh laws of robotics um yeah that he outlines in his uh in his uh stories that are uh, published as irobot and uh the uh you know isaac Asimov's stories were the basis for uh blade runner right which ended up being an, an inspiration for um for robocop mm-hmm. this
0: this movie way better than fucking blade runner blade runner not great <laughs> just saying that just putting that out there
2: yeah maybe you should uh talk to Bree joy gray about that Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they, so, so they send RoboCop out on his first night on patrol. Uh, he goes out looking for, looking for crimes to stop. The first one that they show is a, a, a liquor store or a convenience store being held up. Uh, as Ricky noted, a, a white owned convenience store in Detroit. Doesn't exist. Not, or not white, real.
1: White passing. They they <laughs> might have been. Yeah. Albanian or something.
2: It's possible, sure,
0: <laughs> sure. Oh, are we doing? Are we? Are we reviving like this? Are Albanians or
2: Armenians or like?
1: <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> uh, okay,
2: maybe best not to get into that right now. Uh, a, so-
3: a Freudian slip if you will.
2: So RoboCop marches in. So RoboCop marches in to stop this, uh, stop this robbery. And this is where they show that RoboCop, he's, he's, you know, he's fucking bulletproof and he uh, stops the robbery, throws him through, throws him through the, the glass, the glass freezer door. And then they, and then Robocop finds these two guys who are trying to rape this woman. And what does he do? He, he shoots, he shoots like through like her dress and shoots this dude in the fucking dick.
1: Yeah, yeah. Elaborate (laughs) on the scene. What is, what happens after that?
3: she she yeah. traumatic she's traumatized and throws herself onto Robocop, saying, "Thank you for saving me and he like in a total monotone, is like, "Ma'am, you have experienced emotional trauma. I am contacting a rape crisis center. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing."
1: I think that, to me that was like one of the most 1987 political points in this whole film.
3: It, just, oh my god, it is so fucking funny. That is probably one of the funniest lines in the movie in my opinion.
1: That's what we like to call carceral feminism.
3: Yeah, like it it is pretty
0: funny, right? Like this woman uh it's the, just like yeah, like you know, in, in case like you know, you maybe you're going like to school for psychology or like social work. Just, like, think for a second, hey, maybe, like, uh, instead of, you know, just, like, you know, putting women who just went through trauma through, like, state apparatuses of power and coercion, maybe you, like, I don't know, do some, like, restorative justice or something like that.
1: So you're saying that he, sh- he should have taken her home like she wanted...
0: Yes, I'm
2: saying that
3: she <laughs> you needed some robo deck. Her, swept, her <laughs> her, swept her off, swept her up. That would have
2: been restored. So, in the next scene, uh, what, actually, one of my favorite parts is like the. Uh, like a a city council member has decided to take like the mayor and like his office hostage. And he's like, uh, demanding a bunch of shit from the cops saying like, you know, I want, I want a better office. I want a new car. I want to, I want to be able to keep my old job after all this.
3: (laughs) He asks if the car will have cruise control.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and then, you know, RoboCop also comes very in. very 1987,
0: right? I wasn't alive back then, but, like, having a car, I feel like having a car with goose Control is very, like, basic now. Mm-hmm.
2: But anyway, RoboCop comes in and saves the hostages. He, he throws the city council member, like, through the fucking window of, like, the second or third floor, doesn't he?
0: No, yeah, it, it is pretty incredible. That wasn't gory either. That wasn't gory either. That was weird that that wasn't gory.
3: No. The message is that violence is good and cool because it's being done to the right people.
0: No, and also that this shit was also all in, like, Robocop's first night. Like, he's just, like, driving around and, like, all this stuff is happening in his
3: first night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would have stopped 9-11. <laughs>
1: Okay, there's this one scene. Was this in, was this in the um, the party store robbery scene when he gets a robo- the criminal points his gun at RoboCop and RoboCop bends. The yeah, gun? that was in the
2: party store, yeah. Like
1: a that fucking so,
2: looney tune.
1: Yeah, it was that's what I call de-escalation. Yeah, that's yeah. good
2: de-escalation policing. Mm-hmm. That wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think he even killed that guy either.
0: Nope, he didn't. He was that was that that's that's a good cop. The only good cop is a RoboCop. Actually, <laughs> the only good cop is a dead cop who's turned into a RoboCop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All this RoboCop shit is appropriating dead cops from us.
3: Yeah, Paul Verhoeven is an op. Okay, so what happens next, Ben? So I think I
2: think there's like a news I think there's like a news clip after that, like a like a news report, uh talking about uh, Robocop uh being introduced to the city and uh you know it's the uh it's the comic books of the, you know, these kids' parents come to life. And uh And then it, the kids are like worshipping, like touching
0: up and down the Robocop. Like, yeah, uh huh. Yeah.
2: Robocop, do you have a message for, do you have a message for the children of the city? Stay out of trouble.
3: The other funniest line in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) No, no humor whatsoever in that delivery.
0: I thought like awesome. one of the funnier lines of the movie was like in the beginning scene where like uh, that executive gets shot. Get a paramedic.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that was that was that was hilarious. Uh, but in the next scene, uh, Bob Morton, who's 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 heading up the RoboCop project, is confronted by Dick Jones, uh, the other like the senior vice president guy, because uh, he's all pissed off about him like going over his head and basically uh, showing him up. And, um, so then RoboCop is, is back at like the police station and he's like starting to remember pieces of like his previous life. Um, I, well, actually, no, this is the part where he's remembering like getting killed by Red Foreman. And so he gets up and he leaves, I guess, to go like go on patrol or whatever. And that's when he, uh, runs into the guy who's in Red Foreman's gang and who's like holding up a gas station. And RoboCop recognizes him as like one of the dudes who killed him.
3: He is seemingly going to kill the gas, the gas station attendant for going to college.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you yes. think you're yeah. smart,
1: yeah. huh? Yeah. He you think it. you can outsmart a bullet, huh? Yes. He's about Do to you, kill
2: him for doing nerd shit.
1: Yeah, he, he was reading a, a plain geometry book and yeah. doing some homework with a compass.
2: So uh, this encounter with this dude in Red Foreman's gang uh, sort of triggers his memories Uh, And so he goes back to the police station where he uses his basically his like built in USB stick uh, uh, that comes out of his hand and like plugs it into the uh, to the cops database or whatever. And he searches through it and he finds out about uh, Red Foreman. He looks up he looks up himself. Uh, as like the one of the people who was killed by Red Foreman. And uh, that brings back more of his memories about his previous life as Alex Murphy, the police officer. And so he, he goes back, uh, he returns to where he used to live and starts remembering his wife and, and his kid, who I, I guess they left and moved somewhere else and started a new life. Um, after, after Murphy was killed.
1: That was my other favorite scene, I think is, him, so he like moves through this empty house and I was a little confused because they gave an address on it and I think it was supposed to, it was a Detroit address, right? Um, for this house, it's like a very, I, of all of the things that are unconvincing about there are all of the things that are not convincingly Detroit about this film. I think this house had a fairly in some ways a fairly convincingly Detroit suburb, uh, a wealthy suburb of Detroit from this moment house kind of vibe. Um, it was very stylized and it had like, it was supposed to be some sort of corporate model home. There was an allusion to that. Um, I really, I really, really liked the cop house scene. So he walks through it and then like remembers his life as a human.
0: I thought it was really funny. Like about like, uh, how, even though he's like a dead robot,
2: like he's got PTSD. From being a cop, <laughs> well, yeah, he's so still that, that, got like a mostly human brain, doesn't he?
1: Which is like so stupid. I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand the efficiency of that. But okay, like for real, like you get to this point in the movie and you're like, "Fuck!" Now this is a cop has P- PTSD narrative. Like you didn't know this was coming, and that's like kind of what the rest of the movie is about. Mm-hmm. Um, is a, is cop PTSD? Which I felt, I felt a little bit duped about that.
0: No, it would have been. It would have been funny, like um, if every time like he was like uh confronted with like uh the gang or like one of the members of the gang who killed him like it did, it, did that like siren noise from Kill Bill. Like,
3: the, oh Wee! my god, yes. Wee! Oh, I, uh, I want an edit of RoboCop that has that cut in. Like, you know, when no, he's like,
0: just we like, killed just you. Like, yeah, just like, just like setting off his PTSD. Yeah. just like it. And, and how funny would it be, like, if instead, like, when he's like normal RoboCop and he has like those like uh like very robotic and very like not cool like movements when he's like killing people like the normal robocop looks like that but like the ptsd siren robocop like become becomes john wick like that would be like so funny.
2: Well, it's so it's after the it's after the scene where he returns to his his old house. So this basically I mean it becomes like a sort of revenge story because then he goes after Red Foreman and he finds him in uh like this drug factory, you know, where they're where they um I don't know, manufacturing or packaging up the drugs and he has a shootout with this gang and he kills basically all of them I think except for Red Foreman and he's about to kill Red Foreman when Red Foreman tells him that uh, he's being paid by uh, Dick Jones, the other, you know, the the other executive guy at um, OCP. So RoboCop, uh, uh, because of his Directive 3 to uphold the law, uh, doesn't kill uh, Red Foreman. He arrests him and brings him back to the police station. And that's when he goes to confront Dick Jones in his office, uh, to arrest him. Um, but it's because of his, um, classified force directive to, uh, never go against any officer of, of omni consumer products, uh, that he is unable to arrest him. He like, he like is basically like a system starts to shut down when he tries to approach, when he tries to approach Dick Jones. And so Dick Jones, six, uh, six, his ed two Oh nine, on RoboCop and RoboCop, uh, destroys it. But then he, he has the rest of, uh, you know, the OCP police force, uh, coming after him and, uh, they just fucking riddle him with bullets, but he ends up being able to escape, uh, cause his, uh, former partner, uh, Ann Lewis comes and comes and saves him.
0: All right. So there's a lot to unpack with this scene. Definitely like, you know, with like the robot on robot crime, <laughs> like that, That scene, like, incredibly hilarious for multiple reasons. Like, the fact that, like, the not—what was the—what's the other robot called again? Ed 209. Ed 209. The fact that fucking Ed 209, like, has, like, this, like, Achilles heel of not being able to go downstairs. Hilarious. This scene is, like, like, really incredible. It is like so fucking so funny. So
1: beautiful. Yeah.
0: Like RoboCop gets the ED209 to like fall down the stairs like in a in a very comical like fashion literally like rolling down like a bowling ball well, down it, like, the stairs. it
1: knows. It and knows it crazy. Exclis- Go down the It turtles.
0: Okay. It turtles. It's on its back. It turtles. I'm do- on the Zoom. I'm doing the turtle right now. I'm kicking my legs For and like listener, waving my hands. Alex
3: is uh, <laughs> demonstrating what the robot was doing. So RoboCop
2: uh, is hiding out with his with his partner, uh, and he's like um he's like repairing himself. And this is the first part. This is the first time he takes off his his helmet. Uh, his visor helmet thing Which reveals his his face Which is really fucking weird The way that you know It's like his whole face Like on top of like this whole You know the robot uh, Robot body it's No like, it
0: looks like It looks like
2: he was like Completely like robotic But
0: like they just like They just like, like cut
2: off the, They just like cut off his face And yeah, put it on just, the like, robot cut off,
0: They just like cut off The skin of his face And like implanted it on the robot That's what it looks like
2: so it's at this point in the movie when uh, the police uh, begin their begin their strike. Um, because, you know, they're complaining about, what, like, budget reductions and, like, being killed so often.
3: <laughs> it is implied in a vague sense that privatization has in some way restricted their ability to do their job.
1: I'm trying to think about that claim that if I... I mean, I do agree. I don't know. Also,
0: like, in terms of, like, the privatization, like, fucking shit up, like, going back to Directive 4, right? Like, also privatization insulates capital from accountability. Yes. Right? That's true. Like, when state apparatuses like, you know, law enforcement are privatized, the people who own that law enforcement are obviously not going to, you know, hold themselves accountable to that law enforcement. So, like, that is, like, uh, something to keep in mind as well. But, like, this, like, this, this, I think the most important thing is, like, you know, going back to what we, like, how we started this, right? Like, what this shows in the movies, like, once the police officers go on strike, is that crime, like, becomes insane. It turns into Mad
3: Max. mm -hmm. Yeah right. and we
0: have but when we have evidence to the contrary right where like you know when you know the police aren't out there crime goes down
2: well yeah, it, so in the story of the movie, uh the police go on strike and the city is plunged into chaos. Just crime everywhere. People like looting and you know, killing each other. And so uh Jones, Dick Jones uh gets uh gets Red Foreman out of, gets Red Foreman and his gang out of jail. And he tells uh he tells uh Red Foreman to go kill RoboCop because um when they when they build the new B- Delta City, uh, Red Foreman will get to be the big crime lord.
3: Uh, At this point, he asks for firepower, and Dick Jones says, "We practically are the army."
2: Yeah, which is. Uh-huh. Well, he also says, a "He says we need little... we need military we need mil- military oh, weapons." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah, says,
3: We are the military. Um. Yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah, he, he outfits
2: uh, Red Foreman and his gang with, you know, vehicles and, and weapons. And he gives them a, like, a, like a GPS thing, like a tracking device to track down Robocop. Um, also, as an aside, I was, I was really like, as we were watching the movie, I was wondering why, uh, Red Foreman's character was like wearing glasses. I thought that was like a really weird choice for him to look sort of like nerdy, I guess. But then I found out, uh, I found out earlier today that apparently the reason why he's wearing glasses is because Verhoeven wanted him to look like, uh, Heinrich
3: Himmler.
1: Mm. Huh? That is... Wow. Okay. (laughs) That
3: rules. That rules. (laughs) Huh. Um, yeah, no, that, that's awesome.
0: I mean, I, I thought that like, all right, so let's, let's talk about, um, what's, what's this actor's name? Let's talk about his performance a little bit. Kurtwood Smith, I think. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith. Let's talk about Hurtwood Smith's performance a little bit. I thought that it was very like, and I don't know if this is like part of the direction, but it was very, like, because I, I do feel like a lot of these things are very deliberate. Like, you know, what I was talking about with the action, like it not being very well choreographed and then not be looking very cool. Right. Like, it almost kind of, like, seemed like, and this goes to what Ricky's, like, kind of point was, like, oh, you know, crime wasn't really, like, like this. I think that, like,
1: yeah, to kind stylized. of counterbalance...
0: To kind of counterbalance that, he was like, oh, this, like, criminal is not, like, some, like, mastermind, like, uh, uh, like, just, like, some special, like, anomaly. He's, like, just some regular guy, right? And that's kind of, like, you know, kind of what I was kind of, like, there was just, like, this mediocrity about, like, the character and the performance, and I feel like that might have been deliberate as well.
3: I don't know. I mean, I thought he was rather animated. I
0: don't know. It's not the animation. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe I need to flesh it out some more.
2: So Red Foreman and his gang track down, um, track down Robocop to the, to the abandoned steel mill where they originally killed uh, Alex Murphy. And they have this, you know, Symbolism. big final... Mm-hmm. They have this big final showdown uh, where RoboCop ends up killing them all, including Red Foreman. Uh, So then RoboCop goes back to the OCP um, corporate building or whatever. Oh,
3: his cop GF does die, though. Oh, wait, does she? Uh, It's implied that she is going to be turned into a RoboCop.
2: Oh, cool. I don't (laughs) think I caught that. But um, RoboCop uh, then goes back to RoboCop the... RoboCop uh, needs a robo-girlfriend. Is she, I know they made a sequel, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, is, is she in it?
3: I don't think so, because I was reading a little bit about this, and I think that this is a fucking hilarious detail, but the reason that they can't... They keep trying to make ro- more RoboCops, and they, like, uh, gain sentience and just commits suicide um and the reason that um our good man murphy does not is because he has an exceptional commitment to the law and also he's an irish catholic so he's opposed (laughs) to suicide (laughs) wow that makes sense that makes sense yeah i get it this is supposedly a a major plot point in the next movie
2: are are you being serious? Are you being serious I, about him being no, an Irish I'm, Catholic?
3: I am being a hundred percent serious. I am being a hundred percent serious.
2: So Robocop goes back to the uh O C P headquarters and he plays uh he plays a recording of uh of Dick Jones uh <laughs> confessing uh to having uh Bob Morton killed, which I think we kind of we kind of glossed over that part, but anyway. Um so So uh, RoboCop wants to arrest uh, Dick Jones, but Dick (laughs) Jones takes like the uh, CEO guy hostage. And that's when that's when the CEO guy says, you're fired, which uh, um, releases RoboCop from his uh, directive for uh, protecting of um, of Dick Jones and shoots him and uh shoots him out the fucking window
3: which in a sense is also very symbolically accurate in terms of the uh the solution to capital being insulated from the uh you know legal system is not to get rid of the fourth directive it's to just you know uh remove the protection from certain corrupt individuals like Jeffrey yeah. Epstein
0: <laughs> no, and this goes back to what you were saying before about, like, this is supposed to be, like, a, like, representation of, like, the cop movie. Like, this is supposed to, like, be a satirized, like, representation of, like, that thought and that ideology.
3: It's a right? simulation and, of it.
0: And, and, like, the whole idea, right, is that if there's a good CEO there to like figure that shit out maybe you can privatize it and maybe the cops are wrong for striking which is like there's some very weird and i'm i'm not like i'm not like this is not my politics like there's some very weird like you know like labor uh police connections to this right but like you know, it's it's definitely something to explore they, they, they he tries to explore in this. I don't think very effectively that dynamic.
3: Uh, Ricky, yesterday you had said, and I think that this is a significant, you know, thing because it is the motivator for the entire, you know, story, the um, the gentrification, the urban. Renewal. You said this is a movie about architecture. Can you expand on that?
1: Yeah, it is a movie about architecture. So, okay. So the first thing to note, this is the number one. Like, again, none of you are from Metro Detroit. But the most, like, alarming thing about this film is that it was shot in Dallas. Um, And there's, like, Detroit establishing shots. And I think... I don't think there's any on location in Detroit. There might be. But so the bulk of this is actually set in Dallas, which is why it looks like all those Los Angeles movies, in my opinion, those, um, like, They Live and Shit, all those DTLA movies from the same era. Um, is because that's the kind of landscape that Dallas had. The, um, I do recall that the... Um, the mill that they're in was also, was in Pittsburgh, I believe, which is also an interesting comparison. But I don't know that there is much filmed in Detroit in here. Um, and it matters and it doesn't matter. Like, if you've ever been to Detroit and you watch this movie, you know that it's just, like, not recognizable. It, like, could basically just be Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are a lot of, like, skyline shots that look like... Um, that, that remind you of parts of downtown Detroit on purpose, I think, or for, for a good reason, which is that, um, this is a movie, this whole, what is it, what's it called again, Delta City that they're planning, right? So it's a, it's a movie about, um, a corporation and corporate interests coming together with public interests to redevelop a city and, um, therefore direct all like, Um, politics around the the corporation's interests in that, right? Um, But what's funny about it is that that had already happened in downtown Detroit a couple of times, right? And so, the reason that Dallas kind of occasionally looks like Detroit is that um, a lot of the same, you know, it looks like the Renaissance Center in Detroit, right? It's the same kind of architects in the same kind of era of redevelopment. The plotline about redevelopment in Detroit had literally already happened to Detroit. Um, And every single thing, every single decision that they make in terms of planning in this movie, I think is like directly realistic to what was actually happening in terms of planning around crime. Um, but the reason it really felt like, um, an architecture movie to me was because like so many of these dramatic, um, boardroom scenes happen around this like model. Um, there's like, including, um, this model they have of the city, right? So the whole point of all of the things that happen is this like model of Delta city. Right. Um, and when we're out in the city, we see billboards with Delta city on it, right? This is the driving, This drives all of the action of the movie, actually, is this redevelopment plan. Um, There's like a great, I think it's the first, the first like accidental murder when the first uh, robot cop shoots the guy and he like lands on this, on this model of the city. It's really dramatic.
3: Where the robot continues to just blast his body.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's. I think the most, in every part of this movie, architecture is actually like the, the biggest theme visually. Um, and I don't think people really talk about that. But it doesn't look like Detroit, and it also doesn't look like Blade Runner, right? It doesn't look like this post-apocalyptic city. What it actually looks like is a renewed city already right the the building that they return to the most is actually a real building um in downtown i guess it's downtown dallas it's an IMP building um uh, i believe it's their city hall it's like which is funny because it's supposed to be this corporate building but it's actually just like a brutalist like public building in in this brutalist complex in downtown dallas that I don't remember if I'm correct in this, but I had actually gone to, I actually went to visit to see this particular early IMP building when I had gone to Dallas. And it's in front of this like um complex uh pavilion or whatever in the city and there were markers all around that this had been the one of the locations. I don't know if this was the location, but there were commemorative markers for that sniper that killed a bunch of cops and in uh da- in Dallas, so I thought that was fascinating that I nobody had ever made that connection that the who the was dream.
0: killed by a Robocop?
1: Right, I didn't remember this. I just remembered this particular. You know, um, this was this was I all I remember about this guy. I can't remember if he was ex-military or something, but the the press wrote about him is he as a black militant, and that's why he sniped a bunch of cops or whatever. But Alex correctly pointed out that they took him down with a rope with a fucking rope, literal Robocop, right in Dallas, um, and I they weren't trying to build a But robocop. it was it
2: was just a it was just a robot, right?
1: Okay. It wasn't an animatronic was robot. It was a drone. Was a, just a fucking drone. It
0: is a I, don't, drone. I don't think it was a it was an it wasn't an aircraft drone. It okay. was like a It was like a, it was like an RC vehicle
1: that, that wasn't (laughs) remarkable is what's remarkable to me. Right. That like what our actual reality is, is that all this kind of automated police, militarized automated police technology is actually just like so mundane now that we don't even remark that real life RoboCop happened. (sighs) Like we don't even notice.
0: And I, I mean like, um, you know, it's, it's definitely like important to point out, right? Like. It starts out, right, like that this private company is doing military contracts and Mm -hmm. then it ends up doing, you know, police contracts, right? Like this is also not just a movie about privatization, but it's also a movie about like, and this is something that I talk about a lot, like, you know, um, the state gradually taking uh, tactics and skills used against like periphery populations and using it and taking it back home well, to use on domestic
1: populations. That's not really what happened though. And isn't there a scene in here where they talk about how they're developing Robocop to go back into the military? There's a suggestion of that, right? Like that's yeah, no, 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 in yeah, no, no,
3: 209 to the military.
1: Right. So in right. the US that's actually no, 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 necessarily learn how to do colonialism and then bring that back to the u.s we learned how to do put down uprisings in detroit and then we brought that to the middle east that's that's the direction that it actually went police first
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, although although was more a back and forth right
2: well to to wrap things up here uh i guess there's a so I guess like a, almost a decade ago there was a there there was an idea to erect a Robocop statue in detroit uh, after after watching this movie what do you what do you guys think good or bad?
1: do you want to actually tell the story of what happens there? I mean because you asked yesterday what act- what the response to this movie in Detroit was, and it actually had like a massive political consequence um, if you yeah could
2: like you so could you speak on that?
1: So, I actually don't know. I don't have a good answer to how people in Detroit responded to this film. But politically in Detroit, this this franchise was had a lot of power for a very long time. But the way that I have found it, like if you look in the newspapers, reference the most is that um, private enterprise and, and the city government and to some extent planners would say... Our project um, in Detroit is to prove to people that we're not the way we were depicted in Robocop. That RoboCop was set in a real city had extremely serious consequences, Um, which is funny because what I said before was that they had already done the redevelopment they were talking about in Detroit. But because of you know RoboCop would be the thing they held up multiple times to say we're not actually like this. Therefore, we need to privatize the service. Therefore, we need to tear down these buildings. Therefore, we need to do this neoliberal project and this like whatever service oriented. But anyway, by the time 2011 comes around, what happens is, um, this is, I like this story a lot. I, I talked to a couple of Detroit area friends and we all seem to like, remember this as having kind of an outsized impact for some reason. I think that it, this is, so this is like a, one of the earlier kind of viral campaigns of this kind. And I believe that it started on Twitter. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but basically, um, Somebody tweeted at the mayor of Detroit at the time that w- and was like hey there should be a statue of RoboCop in the city And I believe that, you know, the mayor was like, no, I believe that the mayor had actually praised this idea at some point because he was at the time trying to promote this plan to actually hire more cops. Right. Um, but the way this takes off, I believe, so it starts on Twitter and then it goes to, there's like a Facebook page and people were really like amped. suburban people in particular, like very, very amped. suburban, suburban people, suburban millennials. And at some point it gets a Kickstarter and at some point along the lines, Um, A lot of private companies and a couple of nonprofits back this project, right? Because they believe that they need this as, so hilariously to talk about redevelopment, one of the major selling points that people were talking about was that Detroit needed it for tourism, right? So this was actually going to bring tourism to Detroit. So in 1990, you have you have the city talking about how we need to develop positive tourism to prove to people that we're not RoboCop. And then in 2011, what we have is people saying we need to build a RoboCop statue to attract people to Detroit. There's this newspaper, I feel like this is probably the free press, there was some reporting and someone was like People don't go to people don't go to Philadelphia to see the Liberty Bell. What do they go to Philadelphia to see? The fucking like stairs that Rocky run what is what the fucking museum? <laughs> is that the museum? I don't know, right? Like they go to they go to Philadelphia to run up the stairs. Which I don't think that's really true. I think people do like the Liberty Bell. But um so I I, I had,
2: went to Philadelphia, and I didn't see either one of those things.
0: Okay. <laughs> I think I would probably go to the Liberty Hall before the stairs. I'm going to be honest. Yeah,
1: but the so. stairs are, I think they're the museum, right? If the museum, the, whatever, I'd probably go to the museum, right? So this is a fascinating change to me, and I don't remember all the players who are involved in this, but the funny thing is, I was talking about this with a couple of Detroiters, and it turns out they built the fucking statue. Like, it, exa- it's almost done, and they're going to put it up. So... Uh, to me, this is like the moment to be talking about Robocop. Because it's the moment we're talking about not just cops in Detroit, but like statues right Mm -hmm. so I can't
0: wait till they erect the statue and then it gets cancelled and the protesters like take it down
1: (laughs) so in 2011 why were people really in the suburbs so amped about like why did they like Robocop this is like I love this movie I think this goes off and I think it is a critique of policing but why do people in the suburbs of Detroit fucking love Robocop in 2011 and does that prove that this movie kind of fails a little bit in its critique right
3: I think that um you know one of the things that can't be um, separated from Robocop is that it was immediately incorporated into um, you know the police state as propaganda you know yeah. it, it became right. a series it became a children's cartoon. You know, you have RoboCop action figures, and this guy is supposed to be, like, the horrors of police brutality. So, Sh- yeah, yeah, it absolutely backfired horribly in that sense.
1: I mean, and it was a, it was some sort of prophecy, too, right? Like, the yeah. RoboCop yeah. legacy. Well, it
2: kind of reminds me of the way that, like, you know, a lot of fascists love, uh, love Starship Troopers.
1: Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Is this true with all of his films? Is this true with all of his films, that they're, like... Both fascist and
2: the left likes them. I I, mm, I don't know. I well, the uh, RoboCop is only the second Verhoeven movie I've seen.
0: Okay, I know. I think that I think the point is is that his satire is like it's, it's very so,
1: deadpan.
0: It's it's not. I I wouldn't I wouldn't go as like so far as to say it's like deadpan. But I would say that it's, like, so hyper-realistic, and it's, like, so, dis like, it's almost, it, it's so good that it's almost indistinguishable from reality. And if you're not, and if you're not in on the joke, you're not going to yeah. get the criticism.
1: Certainly if, like that's it, true with this as a movie about police movies, right? It's almost right. hard to tell that this is a movie about police So what police do you think
0: is the criticism, Ricky?
1: That it's making? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I don't think this is an anti-cop movie at all, right? Um the, you know, we're supposed to sort of at least a little bit feel for the cops, right? Especially we're supposed to have this mistaken understanding of the cops as a working class body um whose la- whose labor is being abused, which is like not realistic, right? Um and, but I I do think that I mean we have to talk about these commercials, right? So there's these all all these commercials spliced throughout the the film, or not just the commercials, um, but also the news clips. And the news clips are showing all of these like war war going on all around the world, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so- the
2: movie the movie opens with a news with a news story, like a very brief news story about how uh, South African the South Af- African government has obtained a nuke
3: from France.
1: I love that. I love that. Um so And this I,
3: is the apartheid government because mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that this movie is interesting because it makes exactly the same mistake that a lot of people are making right now right so it's critiquing um, I do think it has like a very very good and fun critique of neoliberalism in general and but it's critiquing privatization of police and it's critiquing the militarization of police but leaving alone the premise of policing itself in my opinion and that's Mm -hmm. the same mistake that everybody is making right now although I do agree with I think it was Matthias who said that there is we're not necessarily supposed to believe that the crime that we're seeing is real right like we're not supposed to necessarily buy in totally it's just that people did right people did and cities did um but i do kind of agree that he i I think that as the filmmaker would be like yes this idea of right this is the whole idea of delta city right is that crime is kind of just like in their head right like the it's not just about the crime that's actually happening it's about their fear of this crime um yeah yeah yeah, which I think is really important.
3: It's a pathological fear, because it doesn't matter if the crime is or is not happening. It doesn't make their fear of it any less pathological.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really matter, because it's just a justification, right? It's just a political justification, is all it yeah.
2: Right. I completely um, agree.
1: Yeah. Um... So you asked us good or bad on the RoboCop statue. I'm gonna go as, with. It was, I, a,
2: it was kind of a facetious question,
3: but yeah. As
1: sure. an accelerationist, perhaps I would say <laughs> erect the statue. Yeah,
3: good. I'm I'm gonna go with put it up because but, but yeah, I didn't know
0: that I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that you were an accelerationist, Ricky. Um,
1: wow, <laughs> um, I fucked up. Um, but I didn't even know. Like it was in January that they were published. I think that I would I'm sure they're changing their mind right there was like a couple of new stories earlier this year when Mm -hmm. they were like we're we're finally ready
3: could you imagine could you imagine if they put up a statue of a robotic cop right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think that i don't think that would fly too well it's not the right climate
1: i remember getting into i don't think that i would make the right critiques at the time but i remember getting into some shit with some classmates So I went to MSU, and I had come from Flint at that time, but a lot of people I knew at MSU were from the suburbs of Detroit, right? And they were real suburban kids. Um, And I remember them being like, oh, yeah, the RoboCop statue. And I remember, like, getting into a fight in a class and being like, no one who actually lives in Detroit supports that or whatever. That was, like, how I framed my critique at the time, was it was, like, Mm -hmm. suburban bullshit, Uh, which it was. But uh, I think it's a little bit more than that, right? Um, Right. I think... And and at that time, you know, that was certainly an important moment of many important moments of what we'd call gentrification in Detroit, right? So the, peop- the, the millennials moving into Detroit, let's be real, they needed a RoboCop to protect them from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's another figure in the movie that could... We could do a statue of that would be a little more heroic.
2: Uh, Red Foreman.
1: Yeah, he is noted white Detroit criminal, white passing Detroit criminal.
3: <laughs> he is the only one who is uh, actually critical of capitalism, despite engaging in it.
1: Yeah. Does anybody remember? Okay, there's this scene. Did you already talk? No, about- he
0: was like talking about free enterprise. Yeah. So, well,
3: well one of the one of the
0: he was one of his joking. one of the guys
2: in his. One of the guys in his gang is saying like, well, why are we like, uh, why are we robbing these banks? Why are we robbing this money to buy, to buy drugs, to sell them, to make money? And Red Foreman says, uh, no, like something like there's no better, no better way to steal money than free enterprise.
1: Hell yeah.
3: I Ugh, mean, and maybe that's, that's maybe
1: that's the thesis too. Also, right.
3: Red Foreman is woke. This is what this is what he ends up doing after he gets laid off from his factory job in that 70s show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That tracks, that tracks.
2: That does track. So, Ricky, as a as a as an accelerationist, uh, would you support a theoretical uh, actual RoboCop program?
1: No, because it's technocratic, so it's it's the opposite of it. You know, that's reform. It's reformist.
3: <laughs> okay, sure. I support... Robocop
1: is reformist.
3: That's true. Yeah,
0: as an accelerationist, Ricky is down with, like, the Uyghur concentration camps.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, I am in favor of, of uh, instead taking the soul of dead cops and um, fixing them into the Robocop's Okay. You know, trapping them in inside these (laughs) machines. I to serve forever.
1: I feel like that is already a horror. Isn't that one of the? Isn't that one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? (laughs) I think it might be. All right. Have you seen the one where he like has all the souls in his? Okay, like in his coat. Okay.
2: All right. Well, that seems like a good place to to wrap things up. Uh, Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to subscribe to our show. Find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter at SOTRPod. You can email us at SOTRPod at gmail.com. And uh, are we live streaming on Sunday? I can do Sunday okay yeah, so sure. we're planning to live stream uh this coming sunday at 8 p.m you can uh find the stream on our facebook page and you can you can also find it on twitch at twitch.tv slash state of the revolution so uh thanks guys uh we'll see you later bye-bye bye
1: Robocop, who is he? Robocop, what is he? Robocop, what, where does he come from? Robocop, who is he? Robocop, what is he? Robocop, where, where, where does he come from? Drop it. this guy's really good. <laughs> Drop it.
2: This guy's really good. Drop it. Drop it. in, 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 Your move, creep. Robocop. Robocop. You're coming with me. Your move, creep. Target. 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 Now,
3: now, now follow. Target. 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 Now, 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 follow. Robocop. Who is he? Robocop. What is he? Robocop. Where, where, where does he come from? Robocop. Who is he? Robocop. What is he? Robocop. Where, where, where does he come from?
0: What are your prime directives?
2: Serve the public trust. Protect the innocent. Uphold the law.